In the last segment, we were doing our top stories of the week, and for me, it was Lionel Messi agreeing to come to Inter-Miami. Joining us now from The Athletic, who covers all things MLS, uh, the U.S. men's and women's national team, and global soccer. Perfect guest for this. It's Jeff Reuter. Jeff, really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's start here. What did What did Lionel Messi say no to? In terms of offers, money uh, from like PSG, like what were the other offers that were out there? Yeah, so there were a few. There was one verbal offer which was made on the back of Argentina winning the World Cup in Qatar back in December. Uh, and, and that was very nebulous. There weren't really terms that were established. I think that PSG's hierarchy wanted to see how the season would play out or, or Messi's camp kind of wanted to to show that he still had the goals and the assists and all of that to justify commanding a higher salary. So that was put on standby for a few months, which really opened the door for teams like Inter-Miami and others uh, to enter the fray. You had Al-Halal, a club out of um, Saudi Arabia, which was offering a two-year contract with 400 million euros. Um, oh, my so God. So a tremendous uh, – I know, just numbers, right? <laughs> like, it, yeah. it means nothing to lay people like us, right? Like, it, it's just truly hard to comprehend the amount of money that was on, on offer in that front. And, and you saw, obviously, his great rival, Cristiano Ronaldo, make a move to the same league for a similar package, actually a little bit less. Kareem Benzema, reigning Ballon d'Or winner with Real Madrid, is leaving the club after 12 years to go to Saudi Arabia. And Golo Kante, one of the best defensive midfielders of all time, also similarly making a move. So there are a lot of players who are taking that payday, um, which is at a a much larger scale than what Major League Soccer could have added. And there also was that chance for possibly a romantic homecoming to FC Barcelona for one more year on a discounted rate. However, ultimately into Miami's package, one could get him in the door sooner than Barcelona could have. There's some... Uh, there's no salary cap in Spain's first division, but there are some financial considerations for sustainability, which Barcelona is operating under some pretty tight watchdog right now. Um, so, so he would have had to wait to see if Barcelona even could afford him um, under their uh, roster restrictions. Uh, didn't really want to take the money. There are some reports that his family wasn't happy with the idea of living in a country which has such a poor record for um, women in particular. And, uh, and ultimately, I think Miami just stood out as the, the best mix of giving him a bit of a breather after almost two decades um, being front and center of European soccer, uh, and, while also giving him a, a higher competitive level than he would have found in Saudi Arabia. So hearing that in those ridiculous numbers, is it fair to say he did not take the deal that was going to give him the most money, at least not in the short term? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that with there's no clear sense what his salary will look like it hasn't been finalized yet and and frankly the the factors that made the miami deal so lucrative and keep in mind he is still going to make a windfall off of this thing it's not like he's not doing it for the money as well um but the package does include two very unique factors which no player in mls and frankly no player in the world has ever been able to benefit from the first is a cut of jersey sales that adidas will make um, off of Inter Miami selling oh. his jersey, obviously. So he will be able to get a cut from that, which will be very lucrative for him. There's also new subscribers to MLS's streaming package on Apple TV. For every new subscriber who signs on on the back after he announced he was signing, he will get a cut as well. So uh, those will be less concrete and more fluid. I think there's, frankly, lifetime considerations. He already has a lifetime deal with Adidas, but. Uh, you would imagine that those two partners who are global brands, which far outreach what MLS is able to offer, um, really made it an intriguing offer. 
Okay, because I was saying before that this deal was more about Adidas and Apple than it was about the MLS, and I, I didn't hear that. That so he's getting cuts of streaming and jersey and jersey sales. That's uh, yeah, you're, wow, you're you're absolutely right. That is incredibly unique, and 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 also part mm-hmm. of it is uh, joined again, joined by Jeff Ruder from the Athletic covers all things global soccer and MLS. Uh, is there a ownership package available as well? They're, they're still kind of finalizing that. I think that MLS did actually get a lot of heat for uh, the way in which David Beckham was able to spring his option because at the time it was just a pretty fixed rate, which was uh, competitive with what MLS was charging for new clubs in 2007. But by the time he sprung that option in 2018, MLS kind of lost $150 million compared to what they could have had if David Beckham was not part of that. So I think that there's a little bit of reluctance in that realm, as well as the fact that MLS has now announced its 30th franchise, which will be in San Diego. So they don't even know if they want another franchise. They're figuring out if they're going to grow it to 32 or eventually they do want to get into Las Vegas, Nevada. So the question is, do you relocate a club that is struggling or do you just say, okay, we'll do Las Vegas and we'll pick one more uh, location in Canada or even United States to make the math work. So um, it's a little unclear whether or not the ownership will be part of it. We've heard conflicting things on The Athletic um, from sources as they are still, again, finalizing the contract. So it isn't official yet, but um, yeah, his intention is to come to Miami and and, and whether or not there is an ownership stake in an MLS franchise, there's certain that there will be some stake in the league moving forward. It's just a question of what it looks like. What does this mean for the league as a whole, getting the one of the most, if not the most popular athlete on planet Earth? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a validation for a lot of the uh, framework which the league has been building and fortifying over the last decade. Um, I, I think that when you think of, you know, for example, when Toronto FC started becoming, you know, contenders in the middle of the last decade, at that point, MLS was finally getting to a point where you could convince a player like Sebastian Javinko to come over, right? A player who was a rotational piece on a great Juventus side. Um, but instead decided, hey, I'm in the prime of my career. Maybe it would be better to go to a truly global city like Toronto and be the face of a franchise, the face of a club, and help do great things for my own individual talents and legacy. Uh, and so you, you build off of that. You're getting a higher quality, higher caliber of player at a younger age than you used to. You have cases like Miguel Almiron where you're able to sell him from Atlanta United to Newcastle. But Ultimately, at the end of the day, MLS is still a league which is an entertainment league because of its position in the North American market and in the global football landscape. And so you need entertainers. Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic didn't help the LA Galaxy win a title, but he certainly helped people pay attention to MLS a little bit closer because of the caliber of goals he was scoring and just his overall greatness and his uh, bombastic personality, right? So. I think that with Messi, he was an obvious pick to bring in just because of who he is as a player, as a person, and as an icon of the game. Um, but it also does show that, you know, ultimately MLS is taken seriously enough where if it was purely about the money, Messi would not be coming here. And, and you know, we talk about Adidas Napoli, and I completely agree with you. That is front and center of the rationale behind his decision. But um, if it was just about money, he would go somewhere which is offering much more money. I think that there's something to be said about how MLS is viewed globally. And, and I'll be honest with you, Matt, if I'm looking at the comments on my articles or the replies to my tweets, I'm not getting the same retirement league stuff I would have gotten five years ago with Zlatan and Wayne Rooney made their way to MLS, right? right? I, I think that people see it as a serious sporting competition now globally. And now the question is, will the North American casual sports fan catch on to what MLS has cooked? 
Yeah, no, you're right. It's a, it's a, it's a great question, and also be careful with reading those Twitter replies. People are often, uh, yeah, they're emotional. They're emotional out there. Um, last question for you. So I'm looking on old FanDuel, and I'm an absolute dummy that hasn't been watching uh, Inter-Miami. And I'm like, huh, I guess I should bet on Inter-Miami to win it all now that Lionel Messi is there. And I go and I look at the odds and on FanDuel, and Inter-Miami is now, like I think, at the like, fifth best odds to win it all Hmm. should i be taking all my future funds and throwing it on miami to win the championship at at uh yeah they're one two three they are the six shortest odds at 19 to one no i wouldn't do that (laughs) damn Um, it miami right inter into miami right now is the worst team in major league soccer uh as presently constructed they have the the worst attack in the league they have one of the worst defenses in the league um Look, there's going to be a serious push for this team to make the playoffs. There's already been kind of in-jokes between Sergio Aguero and Lionel Messi about how he needs to get the team up to eighth or ninth so they qualify. So very quickly you're seeing legends of the game learn about MLS's bizarre playoff structure. But uh, they are not a coherent team right now. They don't have a coach as well, so there's a question of who is going to be lining them up. And there's also a question of when Messi will sign on. But the reality is he probably won't be arriving until the final third of the season. So that's a tremendous amount of ground to gain just to make the playoffs. And I think, frankly, if you're looking for a bet, you want a sure thing that they'll at least make it to that, um, you know, that competition, that stage of the competition where they will be able to be in contention. And if Miami makes the playoffs, they will be a very scary matchup for any team of the Eastern Conference and then for whoever wins the Western Conference if they should advance the MLS Cup on the back of Lionel Messi and other friends of his he might bring in to help fortify the team. But it's not a sure thing that they will make the playoffs. Last year, Toronto brought in Lorenzo Insigne and Federico Bernardeschi and and made a serious (laughs) bet that the two Italians would be able to propel them into the playoff places even if they couldn't join until over halfway through the season. Obviously, that did not work out for Bob Bradley and the organization. Um, and I'm not saying that Insigne and Bernardeschi are similar players to Messi. There is no player who is similar to Messi. But at the same point, it is, a, it is not a sure thing that they will even make the postseason. And if I'm going to bet on an MLS Cup champion, I want someone I know will actually be playing beyond the 34th week of the season. Jeff, really appreciate you joining the show. And as I let you go, I always like to ask guests this when massive news have bro- uh, uh, broke. You, the amount of radio interviews you've done over the last 72 hours versus last <laughs> week, how much of a difference has there been? Yeah, it's, a, it's an uptick for certain. I, I think that <laughs> I, I can't think of a single thing in MLS history or North American soccer, recent history certainly, uh, which comes close to drawing the level of attention and intrigue of this move. Uh, it's a fantastic move, right? I, I don't think that there's a situation here short of the contract falling through and him actually not arriving for reasons of MLS's own fault or Miami's. Um, I don't really see a situation where this is bad for Major League Soccer or for Major Miami. And, I mean, look, rising tide raises all shifts, right? More people are going to be talking about MLS. More people are going to want to hear about Major League Soccer, they were going to want to go to the writers. He'd been covering it for years and all that stuff. So it, it, it's a fascinating position to be in. It certainly has led to uh, some sleepless nights here. But, um, hey, that's uh, that's what the offseason's for in December, isn't it? <laughs> I'll catch up on my yeah. sleep at some point. Jeff, appreciate. I do know. I I know how busy you are, and yes, I I always have to feel the need to say it over and over. This is the you know, the biggest sports story of the week in North America. Uh, one of the biggest North American soccer stories ever. And I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, happy to be on. Happy to come back anytime.
Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Jeff Reuter from The Athletic. Uh, you can follow him at Jeff, R-U-E-T-E-R, covering all things MLS and global soccer.